0: Okay, well, I appreciate um, Craig standing in for me last week as he finished up Genesis chapter 15 and uh, just reminding all of us of the promise promises of God that God's promises are never early, they're never late, they're always right on time, and whatever God says, He is going to do. And uh, Craig took us through very carefully many passages of Scripture pertaining to the promise that he made to to Abram in Genesis chapter 15. So on the heels of that, we come to uh, Genesis chapter 16. And even though Abram has received this promise of the Lord, guess what? They are still struggling in their faith. How is God going to do this? Yes, God has said he would, but how? And uh, Sarai is struggling as we look at Genesis chapter 16. And so we're breaking this passage up into three parts. The first are verses 1 through 6, and uh, we're going to be looking at the bad news. And then in verses 7 through 14, we're going to look at the good news, and then we're going to see the summary of this text in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 16. So let's begin with um, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female servant, a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress, Sarai. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between me, you and me. And Abram said to Sarai, behold, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. <clears throat> you know, there's a famous quote that people like to, um, to, uh, to, to to quote, and they think they're quoting scripture. And the verse that's not found in the Bible is this. God helps those... Who help themselves? You know what? That is not in the Bible, and yet there are a lot of people today who believe it it is and live according to that philosophy. And this morning, in this text, we're going to see how that turns out, because we're going to see Abram and Sarai. They think that they're helping God out. You know, they don't know how they're going to have this child, but. Sarai's come up with a a plan, and uh, it turns south quickly. Now, in verses 1 through 6, I want you to see the emotional struggle that Sarai is going through. She's 75 years old now. She's been barren her whole married life. We first learn of this in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30. Then we read of it again in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2. And now we see it in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2. Think about this for a moment. That's a lot of years. I don't know how long Abram and Sarai have been married. Uh, Abram's 85 years old. Sarai's 75 years old. So probably about 50 or more years. Think of her emotional plight. Every month was a month of disappointment. Year after year after year. And she has worn this label. And... And this isn't something unique just to Sarai. We're going to see this over again with Rebecca and Rachel as well. But you know what? This is not a coincidence when it comes to God's activity in their life and in our life. When it comes to walking with the Lord and faithfulness to the Lord, it requires great Patience on our part. Like Craig said so clearly last week, God is never late, He's never early, He is always on time. And God is working uh, in this moment through Sarai's barrenness, waiting is a tool of God that he uses to grow us in our Christian life. And so this is not a coincidence. This is all a part of the walk of faith. God wants us to relinquish control of the situation, of our situation, and give it to him. He wants us to live a life of dependence on him. Does God have you in a waiting room right now? How are you... Well, are you reacting to the situation? Or are you responding? Are you allowing this in your life to grow you in your walk of faith? Or do you have a spirit of bitterness that... That God is taking his sweet time. God in this text this morning is encouraging, exhorting all of us to stay there. To be faithful. That God is going to fulfill his promise in his own time. So as we look at the first six verses, we see uh, Sarai's desperation. Desperation that turns into human faithlessness. Again, she thinks that she is going to figure, she's going to help God out. But she is desperate. She is despondent. In verse 2, we see her blaming God. Look at verse 2. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. And you know what? She's right. My friends, God is sovereign over every single womb. And God has prevented Sarai from bearing a child up to this point. And guess what? She's going to be waiting 13 years or 14 years more before she has a child. Or 15 years. She's 75. She's going to be, have a child when she's 90. But, again, God is in control. But she is blaming him. But she has come up with a plan in her own thinking. Okay? We, we saw this in Genesis uh, chapter 13 when there was a, a famine, chapter 12, and when there was a famine in the land and... and uh, Abram took his family to Egypt. But I want you to see again in this text of the prayerlessness that isn't taking place between Abram and Sarai. And we're going to be, Abram is going to be reminded of this prayerlessness at the end of of, uh, chapter 16. But again, they are not praying about their situation. They are trying to figure it, their situation out themselves. And, this, and the plan that Sarai comes up with is that she's going to take her, her maidservant, Hagar, and give, him, give her to him as his wife. Now, understand that this was customary in this day and age. Okay if a woman was barren uh she was permitted to uh have a concubine and that that concubi- concubine would uh would be given to the husband and when that concubine conceived and gave birth then the wife would adopt that child as her very own and so Sarah I thought well Obviously, you know, I'm the one that's holding up this process now. I'm the person that's in the way, and so I need to get out of the way, and so I'm going to let my husband, have Abram, have Hagar as his wife. But she never prayed to the Lord about it. She was just merely looking around at what everybody else was doing. My friend... Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right for you, for us. What is God's will in the matter? And this is not something that God ever told Abram to do. God has promised Abram a son, and it's been understood that it's going to come through Abram and Sarai, even though... Uh, Sarai's name has never uh, been mentioned. And so this is Sarai's plan. And then we come to the last part of uh, verse 2 and verse 3. And um, it says this, Go into my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Abram makes a big mistake. He listens to his wife. Instead of Abram leading the situation, he yields to his wife. And looks at Sarah and says, if you think it's a good idea, okay. It's kind of reminiscent of Genesis chapter 3, isn't it? When Eve told Adam, hey, this fruit it looks pretty good. It tastes pretty good. Have a bite. And here we see passive Adam following his wife's lead. And it does not turn out well, and we see the same thing in this passage of scripture. And so, notice too in verse three, as um, as Sarai has concocted this plan, and her husband agrees. Sarai takes Hagar. And I'm sure it was a painful decision. And gives Hagar to Abram as Abram's wife. How gut-wrenching that must have been. Here Sarai had been faithful to her husband all these years, and Abram had been faithful to his wife, Sarai. And now, Abram is going to take on another wife and have relationship with her. I'm wondering if Sarai was disappointed in the fact that Abram said, okay. For you see, in verse 5 of this text, Sarai is not happy when she learns that Hagar has conceived. And she blames Abram. How could you? I'm just wondering if Sarai wanted to hear the words from her husband when she came up with this idea. Sweetheart, you've been my wife all these years. And I've been your husband all these years. That is not the way we need to do things. And yet Abram didn't do that. Abram didn't lead. And Abram goes back on God's best for him. She didn't hear, Sarai did not hear those words. And then what happens? Verse 4, Hagar conceives. And then chaos, absolute chaos ensues. And in verses 4 through 6, there is a new tension that develops. Here, Sarai thought this was going to be the answer, and a baby has been conceived And now there is just a whole new set of problems between Sarai and Hagar. There probably weren't any issues prior to um, this arranged marriage, but now it all goes south. And there is going to be a huge train wreck. And the Bible says in verse 4 that Hagar despises Sarai. I wonder how she had despised Sarai. I'm wondering if she felt um, fulfilled, complete, uh, one up on Sarai. Look at me. I was able to conceive, and here you've been Abram's wife all these years, and you're still barren. And, And Sarai felt this in her spirit as Hagar looked at her and then we see in verse 5 that Sarai blames Abram. Look at verse 5. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Sarah is saying to Abram, Abram, this is your fault. And I'm sure Abram's looking at his wife like, uh, you know, eyes as big as saucers, you know, like a deer in headlights, and uh, thinking, this was your idea. And yet Sarai is blame, blaming Abram, and you can't help but think that, yeah, this is Abram's fault. He acquiesced. He didn't lead, and he just said okay to his wife. Abram knew better. This is on the heels of Genesis chapter 15. God had made a tremendous promise to Abram that he was going to be the father of a multitude. Now here in chapter 16... He's gotten somebody else pregnant. I can't help but believe that deep down inside, Abram knew that Sarai was the one. But he wasn't willing to continue to be patient. He's waited 10 years. 10 years is a long time. And he's going to be waiting a lot longer. But this is the story of Scripture and how God works in his children's lives. And so Sarai says, may my wrong be upon you. And she is probably right about this. And we see in verse 6, again, Abram's passivity. Look at our father of faith, church in all his passiveness. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. He pawned the whole problem off on his wife. Rather than becoming a a, a mediator and trying to work out this situation, he tells Sarai, Hey, she's your problem. You figure it out with her. And when Abram did said that, did that, it did not go well between Sarai and Hagar. The Bible says, then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. That word harshly is the same word used uh, for the Egyptians' treatment of the Israelites. in uh, in Egypt uh, as uh, the plagues were coming and Pharaoh turned up the heat and made life much harder for the Israelites. This is how Sarai is treating uh, Hagar. And so this church is what happens when you live by the philosophy God helps those who helps themselves. You know, you can choose your sin. A wise person once said, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. And there are great consequences that are following um, this decision by Abram and Sarai that we are still dealing with today. You know, we live in a world that has raced ahead of God at breakneck speed because this world thinks that they know better than God how to make decisions, what's right for people. And because of that, There are young, innocent lives being destroyed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And yet, there are a lot of pastors today who are remaining passive. Not saying anything. Or having um, convinced themselves, well, people are just sinners and they are just going to make sinful decisions. I don't think the church, that God wants the church to be silent on the issues that are taking place in our culture today. The Bible says that as Christians, we are salt and light. And we must stand for truth and righteousness and justice and not be silent, not be passive, not acquiesce and just fade into irrelevancy. We need to stand for the truth. God doesn't make any mistakes, church. And when we follow His way, his truth, his righteousness, you know what? He sets the captives free. And we need to proclaim that loud and clear and not be ashamed of that. And that is part of the gospel story. Part of the gospel story is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we need to confess our sin. We need to fall on our knees and say, God, you have the better way. You have set the standard. You don't make any, 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 uh, you don't make any mistakes. And even though I'm struggling as much as I am uh, with, with what's happening in my life, I am going to trust you. People come to that point of decision in their life, their life changes. Their life is set free. And as people of God, we can't afford to sit around in silence. We must be people who speak the truth. Abram didn't do that. Abram looked at his wife and the and the decision that she had come to, and he said, Okay. And we've been suffering ever since. Here in verse 6, when Sarai conceived, all chaos ensued. What was a good relationship between Sarai and Hagar just turned south quickly. So that's the bad news, verses 1 through 6. Now let's look at the good news. Let's read verses 7 through 14. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring, found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarai, Where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude." And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. and He shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahairoi. It lies between Kadesh and Berid. And so in verses 7 through 14, church, we need to see the grace and the intervention of God in this situation, the faithfulness of God. Verses 7 through 12, it is divine intervention. Yes, Hagar has fled for her life. She's pregnant and single, and she is all Alone, all by herself, and yet God is going to have a new beginning in her life. And the Bible says in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her. I believe this is uh, one of the um, instances of the pre-incarnate Christ. I can't be dogmatic about this, but I, I believe this is uh, 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 an encounter Hagar has with the uh, pre-incarnate Christ, and we see that God knows exactly where she is. Hagar didn't find him, the angel. the angel found Hagar. And he calls her by name. You know, up to this point um, in Scripture, we've only known Hagar as Sarai's servant or slave. But here in this passage of Scripture, the angel of the Lord addresses her by name. That's our God. God knows her name. God knows where she is. She was in the wilderness all by herself. And the angel finds her and he calls her by name. I want you to know, friend, that God knows your name as well. As you wait on the Lord. She's Hagar. And this angel of the Lord wants to engage Hagar in conversation. He asks, "Where have you come from? Where are you going?" And she she tells him, she tells him the, the the struggle that that she's had. And then God tells her something very difficult. He says, "Go home and submit yourself to your your." Um, to Sarai. Serve her. Have the right attitude as you go back. And in telling her to go home and do that, he says, Hagar, as you do, as you are obedient, and as you go back with the right attitude, I am going to bless you. As hard as that was, as difficult as that is, God wants to bless Hagar in doing the right thing. And in her going back, she knows that this God that she's had a conversation with is a God who sees, who notices, and is going to bless. He says, I will bless you. The first way he's going to bless, bless her is he's going to multiply her descendants. She says, uh, the angel of the Lord says, uh, Hagar, you're pregnant with a boy. You're going to have a son. And you are going to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. You know what that means? The Lord has listened to Hagar's cry, has listened to Hagar's um, cry of help. Sarai and Abram, they were trying to figure things out on their own, but Hagar, she didn't have anybody else. And she cried out to the Lord in her aloneness, in her wilderness, and guess what? God heard. He is the God who hears. Angel of the Lord tells Hagar, Hagar, I have heard your cry. And because of I have heard you are going to name your son, whom I'm going to bless you with. Ishmael, which means God hears. Church, this is good news. We serve a God who hears. We serve a God who wants you and I to cry out to him. Are you crying out to him? you're here this morning you're saying, Yes, Pastor. My pillow is soaked at night. God knows where you are. God knows your name. And God may not have corrected the situation yet or answered your plea or answered your cry, but I continue to wait on on the Lord for Him to build that dependence in your life upon Him God is growing you in the waiting and I know patience is so very hard and I am speaking I am preaching to myself but this is where God would have you to be this is where God had Abram and Sarai to believe. And the angel of the Lord answered Hagar's cry. Do you have enough faith to cry out to him? Don't try to figure it out yourself. And oftentimes, You know, when I'm going through challenges in my life, I just get real quiet. And I get real grumpy. And I don't talk to people and I don't talk to God. I'm trying to figure this out in my head. That's not where God wants you to be or me to be or us to be as a church. He wants us to be calling upon Him because He is a God who hears. Name him Ishmael. God hears. And this is going to be a good reminder to Abraham in just a few moments. But, you know, as we continue to go through uh, the book of Genesis, even though Abram and Sarai are prayerless in their challenges, faithless at times in their challenges, Isaac's not going to make that mistake in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. May we not be making that mistake as well. And so Hagar commemorates the encounter by giving God um, and the well a name in verses 13 and 14. In verse 13, she gives God the name Elroy You are a God of seeing. Verse 13, let's look at this. So she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Now there's two ways to interpret this name Elroy. He is the God of the seeing. Or another version, uh, interpretation of Elroy He is the God who helps you to see. God wants us to see Him in our difficulties, in our challenges. Obviously, He sees us, but He wants to help us to see Him and trust Him. He is to be the God of our vision. He is the God who reveals himself in vision. And she says, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. His name will be called Elroy, the God of seeing. Now, just a parenthetical, just a note here. This is the only time in Scripture where a person has named God. Um, This is the only time, you know, be it man, woman, Jew, or Gentile, no other place in Scripture but right here. Hagar names God. He is the God who sees me and helps me to see him. And then she names the well that she was sitting next to in her encounter with the Lord. Uh, Beer lahiroi the well of the living one who sees. When you walked into service this morning, did you feel like you were a Hagar, nameless, ostracized? Maybe you're a single parent. You a victim of somebody else's sin. Be encouraged this morning, friend. God knows your situation, and He is hit there for you. And if you will call upon Him, if you will cry out to Him, and Him alone, He is the God. He sees you in your wilderness. He knows your name. He knows your story. He can hear your cry if you'll just call out to him. And then in verses 15 and 16, we see the summary of this text. She goes back home verse 15 says and Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram you'll notice in both those verses that Sarai's name is not mentioned Yes, she goes back home. Yes, she submits herself to Sarai. But it doesn't get any easier. In fact, it's going to come to a head uh, 13 years later in Genesis chapter 21. But here Sarai had this plan that Hagar was going to um, give give her a child. And yet, Sarai is not mentioned here in this passage of scripture. She has rejected Hagar. She has rejected Ishmael. This is Abram's son. Sarai does not adopt Ishmael. But Hagar obediently went back home. And when she came, went back home, She had a story of her encounter with God where she received a word from the Lord. Hagar, in coming back home and in her testimony, knows that God hears a person's cry. Abram and Sarai don't have that testimony. They try to figure things out on their own. Sarai doesn't have that testimony. But Hagar knew more of God's presence in her very short life than did Sarai in her many years of life. You don't have to be long in years to know God. You can be very young in the faith and be totally dependent on the presence and the persons of of God in your life, and you can grow immensely in your walk with the Lord. That's where Hagar is in this passage of Scripture. And Abram needed to hear Hagar's testimony. I mean, I'm sure... Abram learned a very hard lesson because the Bible says Abram believed Hagar's story and when Hagar gives birth to the little boy, he names him Ishmael because this is what God said to to do. And Abram is reminded every time Abram says the name Ishmael, Mom and Dad, how many times you say your child's name? This is a great reminder to Abram. Every time he says the name Ishmael, that he serves a God who hears. In church, he wants us to be calling upon him. He wants us to be crying out to him in our time of need. And we see in this passage of Scripture that... Apparently, Abram is no longer passive. He's no longer following his wife's lead. He's now leading. He's now taking care of Hagar. She's his wife. Now, she's a servant. She's uh, subjected to his real wife, Sarai. But Abram is taking care of his family of Hagar and Ishmael. So I hope we get the message this morning. The message is clear. In our distress, church, we need to be people of prayer. Instead of trying to figure it out on our own and spending a whole lot of emotional energy and sleepless nights We need to keep giving it to the Lord, giving it to the Lord, giving it to the Lord. Why? Because we know that He is a God who hears. And He is going to help you see Him in your situation. His name is El Roy, the God who sees, the God who helps us see. And we learn this from an Egyptian maidservant someone who's been ostracized someone who's been on the outside and yet God has t- taught us th- so much through Hagar's life and so my encouragement to you church if you hear his voice and I don't know about you but I believe God is plainly spoken through genesis chapter 16 this morning and we need to apply it to our life And if you hear his voice harden not your heart let's pray lord thank you for the truth of your word God, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to love like you love. Help us to be truthful like you are truthful. Help us to be salt and light. And not passive and silent and let the world lead. God, help us to be your ambassadors. And God, I know that there are people in this service, people who are watching online this morning, who feel like Hagar. And they've fled a difficult situation. And God, they don't know what to do. and They don't have anybody to lean on. Well, help them to know that they have you. That you are a God who sees their situation. And you are a God who is going to help them see you in their situation. You are the God who hears our cry. There's only one God. That is Jehovah God. That is Yahweh, the living God, the eternal God, the God that gives us hope. So Lord, if those Hagar's who've come into this service this morning, God, you've spoken to their hearts. May they leave this place this morning with great hope knowing that you go with them. God, use this time of invitation as we worship you.